Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey. And Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Minu. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. Uh, <laughs> guys, I got my poopsie kisses this morning. Hey. 
How come nobody's uh, talking yeah, to me? I'm, I'm hitting poopsie kisses. <laughs> Hello, buttons. are you guys all on mute? Jeff. Poopsie kisses. I can't even hear myself. I thought you guys were like lost in space or something. Uh, our quote of the day: Have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. That is by William Morris. And we are talking about organization today. Our guest, Lisa Woodruff, is um, a best-selling author, organization expert. She wrote this book called The Paper Solution. If you know anything about me, you know that my very first book, The Every Girl's Guide to Life, had a lot of organization themes in there. I am an aspiring organized human, still. I really try hard. Oh, you thought that was funny, Stephen. How come you don't have your microphone on so I can hear you? I just like laughing. He's like talking and laughing in there. I have to push a button to talk, Maria. I just want to laugh and and react. You want to laugh and be free to laugh. Got it. I can laugh loud enough to be picked up on your mic if you want. I know. I I heard you. I heard you. Oh, boy. That That was impressive. like your organs were coming out of your nostrils. Thank you, Jeff. Um, but <clears throat> yes, I, uh, I do really, really try to be organized. I still have not perfected methods, but I did learn a lot of really great techniques in this book. And so I am very excited to have her on the show today. Uh, thank you guys again for joining us here. If you haven't already joined us on Patreon, please do. Uh, we can do a lot more things on the Patreon episode that we can do here just because of rules with YouTube and such. But, um, if you haven't joined us, just click the link in the summary. It's really easy, and uh, we have great stuff there for you. Um, in the meantime, we have lots to talk about. Tons to talk about. I forget what we're talking about. Well, I had pitched you some stuff yesterday. <laughs> There's a lot of... I, I'm thrown off by the fact that I have to beg to hear you guys or talk, so <laughs> I got a little thrown off, not to lie. Um, we're here. We're we're supporting you, Maria. We yeah. love you. We're here. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I found that I found particularly interesting, and uh, hopefully this is a conversation we're excited to have, is now that we're two and a half months into COVID. Wait, we're, wait, wait. We're only two and a half months into COVID? Well, not COVID, but lockdown. And wait. I guess it's three now. No, Jeff, we went into lockdown in February, I think. I think it was March 19th. Or March. It's June. June's almost over. How is that? Yeah, it's really, it's three months, actually. It's about 12 weeks. Guys, it feels like it was eight months already. It's crazy. How is it only three months? I know. It's because it's, this is our new life. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's hard to process. And it's going to be very interesting to see how people reintegrate into society. I mean, like, you know, my mom and dad are in Ohio and they're just walking around without masks. What? Yeah. It's like a whole new... It's completely different than the coasts. It's like as places open up, small suburbs, they're just doing their thing. Yeah. They're doing their thing for sure. It's just, it's, it's almost that part of you that wonders like, am I the crazy one for like sanitizing everything still, wearing gloves, wearing a mask, going out? Or are they the crazy ones for just disregarding what we're being told to do? Yeah. Well, I think that... You can never be crazy for trying to be safe. I agree with that. So for me, obviously still having to protect my family, like I'm still in quarantine. I'm still... um, The doomsday prepper. Yeah. 100%. Have to be careful. And also we don't really know anything still. (laughs) 
you know? So that's the tough part. Like we don't know a lot. We don't know if COVID tests really work. We don't know um, if it's weakened or if it hasn't. Like look at Florida started spiking like crazy after all the spring breakers and all of that. Arizona is 7,000 cases a day, 6,000 cases a day. I mean, Yikes. it's crazy. So, you know, I, th- I hope that the hospitals and from what I've heard, they have figured out ways to treat this in a better way. But, uh, listen, I, I really, really, really don't want to suffer with my lungs being filled up in a hospital and having to be alone. I, there's nothing worse than being sick and alone. You know, Kevin would never leave you alone. He would just, he would get it just to spend time with you. (laughs) What an ask for to be put next to me. Um, no, I think that, uh, it's, it's for me, there's nothing worse. Like I, I, you know, when I was in the hospital after surgery, Kevin slept there every night with me for six, seven days, however long I was there. And, uh, I, I, I'm terrified to be alone and sick. Like I've, I've had traumas about it, but it shows what a good match you and, um, Kevin are though, Maria, cause he's such a caretaker. Yeah. You know, it's the longer you're with someone, I'm learning this with Laura too. The more you realize the elements of your compatibility that you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge one for you and Kev. He loves taking care of people. By the way, when, when you think about it, that's why I fell in love with him. The second he told me he took massage therapy classes to heal his dad of the pain from his cancer. At 22, I was like, oh, you're a caretaker. You're, you're the guy. This is, this is it. I'm done. And I don't know why at 19 I knew that I needed a caretaker, but I knew and <laughs> definitely have proven over the years to really need that caretaker, not just for me, but for my mom and my dad. He's taking care of all of us. And uh, so, yeah, it's, um, you know. Have you and Kev, Maria, done the love language test? Have you, do you know about this? Yeah. The five love languages? You know what? We should do that in a Patreon episode. I think that'd be really cool. It'd be fun to bring on the author of that book, too. The guy who kind of created the idea of the five love languages. Absolutely. We've, reach we've, out. We have done something to the, that degree. Like, for me... Um, when you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. Like for him, his love language is acts of service, mm-hmm. right? And um, That's Laura too. Yeah. And for me, it's like, having someone listen and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, we should do that. I will say there was something really beautiful. Did we forget our Good News Movement Monday? 
You know, I when you Jeff, me I'm the, gonna Jeff. kill you. I know, I know, I know. Um, we let's definitely run it tomorrow, and then now that we're gonna be back on the regular schedule, Jeff, I'll make we've sure. been on a regular schedule. You just keep forgetting. Okay, guys, yeah. has, has Jeff watched the movie yet? Maria? Jeff's getting punished again. Has he watched the movie? yet? No, he hasn't. But we're punishing him tonight. I need to get that movie. I You're know. never leaving the house, Jeff. I Your know. wife is never seeing you again. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Are you ready for punishment, Jeff? So here's one that I really loved. Oh, my God. Now, talk about love language. You guys know I love nature. You know I love flowers. And, of course, animals are my everything. So there's a photo of a house with, like, this massive, massive layer of purple flowers. And it says, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kuroki have been married for over 30 years. But when Mrs. Kuroki lost her eyesight, she fell into a deep depression. Her husband, wanting to help her, planted over seven thousand shibazakura or moss flocks so she could appreciate fragrant walks in front of their home the couple's home became a tourist destination but during the pandemic they closed and continued to care for their growing garden and each other so he spent two years planting thousands of scented flowers for his blind wife to smell and get out of her depression these are the most beautiful flowers i've ever seen i Love that man. I think that is so beautiful. Um, and what what a, a gift to give somebody, right? Like, oh man, that just moved me so much. And this is cool. why I love the good news movement. Incredible. Jeff obviously hates it because he doesn't want to promote it. No, no, no. I, uh, I've been in touch with Michelle. We're just... Yeah, Jeff, you're so in trouble. I'm in trouble, I know. Uh, but these... Stephen, will you today, can you just promise me, I want a big sign, Good News Movement Mondays, and I want you to put it on the wall in front of Jeff's office. I can like, do, can I have more profanity in the sign? Yes. No, Stephen. <laughs> no. <laughs> This is a trainee Ryan, by the way. He's next to me, if anyone's wondering. Hi, Ryan. Ryan can't talk either. You can hear me. Anyway, um, so there's apparently a coin shortage in our country. And I wanted to say, why? Who cares? Can't First of all, the only thing we need coins for now is um, meters. But like in Chicago, they have the digital meters that you can put your your phone up to or whatever that's nice and now we have credit card swipes of course but like why do we need coins anyway they're annoying i use it for laundry that's pretty much it um and i'm hoping that in the next two to three years i won't be living in a place that has coin operated laundry Mm -hmm. um but besides that i totally agree i mean especially you look at pennies can anyone on this show think of the last time they needed or used a penny guys come on okay if you take away coins, you take away 70% of Americans' only method of saving anything. Okay? Everyone's got that jar sitting on their dresser that they throw change into. That's the only savings we got. All right? I'm not putting money into an account. I'm putting pennies into a jar. Okay, good point. I, listen, I fund. come from a coin-saving family. I told you my story that yeah. we saved all our money and went on a trip it's to a Greece. Trip to Greece. But we are, we are um, a very different country now right like we are much more modernized everyone's using apple phones and you know apple pay and stuff so um i i guess like (laughs) it was like a coin shortage well and the crazy thing is too right now 70 percent of the world's currency is online only 30 percent of the money in the global economy is liquid 
Um, so it's really interesting. Michael Lewis, who's an author I really like, he wrote The Big Short and Moneyball, which were, of mm-hmm. course, both created into films. Um, he thinks that the lack of liquidity in the global economy could lead to a problem. It's, it is scary to think about all, most of the money we have we can't actually touch because it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and also, like, think about the future, Jeff. Like, you know, you, we talk about the, the wage gap, or not the wage gap, but the income gap between mm-hmm. people who are in poverty and people who are wealthy. Yep. And it's going to get to a certain point where if you can't pay for something with a smartphone, you have no options to pay for anything. It's true. So, you know, that's going to be kind of the deciding factor of whether or not you can go into a lot of stores. It's kind of a... Wow, I never thought about it's that. It's a new way, wage segregation of, hey, all these stores only take Bitcoin or all these stores only take credit cards or oh only take God. this. Bitcoin. And it'll prevent people who are poor from shopping at probably 80% of the stores in any mall in the United States. Wow. It'll be, I mean, it's in some ways I love the idea that like it's so much easier to make payments and purchases, but it is scary to think that like for most people, their money is just ones and twos in a computer. You know, it's just code. It's not really there. Like that's a crazy thought. Well, that was the great thing. Maria's been watching Rick and Morty and it's like, I'm going to topple a universal economy by changing a one to a zero. It's just changing the value of their money from one to zero and it cripples everything. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I just want to go to sleep and not wake up again. <laughs> there's just too many. There's just too much going on. The world's longest nap. Hibernate you know, until the pandemic's over. I will say <laughs> Lisa Woodruff, our guest today, actually, um, is going to talk to us a little bit about how she found organization. And in the book, I talked about how in my book, I talked about how organization is the key to happiness. And she went through depression and, and some, and you know, a whole lot of stuff and found her way out. So before we get to her, I want to ask you guys, when you think about yourselves as organizers on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, I'm super amazing. Um, how organized are you, Jeff? Probably a six. A six. Yeah. Okay. And what is your weakest points? You know, I'm like a big picture person, um, but I feel like sometimes details aren't necessarily my forte. And um, I know that when I'm really consciously organizing, whether it's my inbox or my computer desktop or even my stuff at home, I'm more on top of making sure details are getting accomplished. Um, so I think just in general, like tidying up, whether that's at home or even just like in my inbox or with list making is something I always want to make sure I'm improving on. And I have, believe it or not, like in the last two, three years, I have grown in that area, but I know it's still a weakness of mine. So details. Steven? I would say I'm probably about in the, when I'm organizing something, I'm like a seven or eight. It's the consistency where I fall in terms of keeping things that way. So like this mixer it's like a 10 because I spent 12 hours taking all the wires out, making sure that they're all tied where they need to be, super clean, organized, and makes sense. But like when you look at my laundry where it's like every week I have to keep doing it and taking it out and stuff like that, it's more difficult for me to like be like, yeah, I'm going to do this every single week and fold everything every single week. So it's the consistency where I fall flat on. But the projects... I'm very detailed and I'm very organized when I hit them. It's interesting. So that is something that she talks about in the book and it's about creating habits. 
And so I think we're going to solve some problems for not only you guys today, but for everybody. So let's get to Lisa. She is a best-selling author, productivity specialist, home organization expert, founder and CEO of Organize 365. Uh, Lisa provides physical and motivational resources teaching busy women and you guys too, uh, to take back control of their lives with functional systems that work. So as lockdown lifts and people make their way back into the world, Lisa can help us with those last minute home projects. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. I love the book. Um, and I feel like you're going to help us so much today. Uh-oh, Lisa, can you hear us? <laughs> Is this the running theme of our show today? <laughs> Lisa, can you hear us now? Yeah, Jeff is muted. Oh. Perfect. Hi, check, Lisa. Check. Hi. How are you? Good. I love how you guys are all rating your organization over there. Yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's interesting always to hear from everybody. You know, whenever I interview somebody for a job, I'm like, how organized are you? And they're like, oh, my God, I'm amazing. And then I said, let's go to your car. And I used to do the car interview with prospective yep. people. And I'd say, if your car's a mess, that means you're a mess. And by the way, not perfect. My car at different points, there'd be like empty water bottles in the back clinking and clanking and it would make me nuts. Um, and so uh, I always say no matter, I, I just really rage against my disorganization. I'm an aspiring organized human. I really work hard at it, but I do have some blind spots. And when I look in the, when I read the book, one of the things that stuck out to me, you're like, I think it was the Sunday basket when you're like, now there's a place for everything. And in my first book, as I created all these organization systems in my home, everything had to have a place because if you don't have a place for it, then it just piles up. And so I'm really excited to share all of the incredible techniques that you have uh, for people. But I also you know, know that you went through, um, a pretty serious mental health journey and, and Mm -hmm. kind of found all of this. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story as well and how much, you know, peace organization has given you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So starting organized 365, I was 39 driving home from teaching. And I just found out from my administrator that I wasn't doing a good job teaching. And it was the only thing left that I was doing a good job at. Like, I already wasn't home for my kids and um, our house was falling apart around us and we were in debt up to our eyeballs. I was like, well, if I'm not even doing a good enough job in my administrator's eyes in the one thing that I'm sacrificing all else for, then why am I even working? And I had been on antidepressants that year and a couple of years prior, I had lost my father and had to settle that estate. And I just felt like for seven years, I was like sliding down this hill into this big abyss. And I was like, how am I ever going to stop living this reactive life? And can I move back into a positive, proactive life? And what is it going to take in order to do that? How did you get to that understanding or that moment, which it's kind of like an aha moment, like, how am I going to get out of reacting and, and being proactive? Yeah. How did you get to that? Um, I, I am a very positive, proactive person. I'm a fourth generation female graduate entrepreneur. Like I've always been in control of my life and I felt like I was not in control of anything. And being told that you're not a good teacher <clears throat> when you spend all your time doing that and you know, you're sacrificing your personal children for that. I was like, okay, well, if, if, all right, friends, let's talk about something we all do snack. 
Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. All of the ways that you get your accolades in your job, in your finances, and if all of that is crumbling and you're just left with yourself and your spouse and your house and your kids, how do you get self-worth from that? How do you internally decide that who I am today is good enough and I am worth sleeping more than five hours a night? I am worth Mm -hmm. being able to find something in a cabinet. I am worth taking five minutes to take an extra long bath because I've had a long day and not feel guilty about just living my life. Yeah. It's funny. My husband's kind of in that situation right now (laughs) himself. Um, You know, there's, um, there are a lot of things with organization that uh, we have to learn and it's not something they teach in schools. Right. And how, how funny that you're a teacher Um, but it, you know, it should be taught, right. Time management skills Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so, um, I think organization is one of the keys to happiness. Would you agree? Yeah. And I was always a born organized person and growing up, I just thought you're either born organized or you're not. And I'm sorry if you're not like too bad for you. (laughs) And when I started organized 365, I would physically organize ladies homes that were not organized. I was like, wow, I'm so glad that I can help them get organized so that they can get on with their life. But as I was doing it, that's when I realized they were learning. Like it wasn't just that the home would be organized when I came back. Like they had done additional rooms and mm-hmm. they said, look, what, look what I did over here. Lisa I was like, oh yeah, you took what we did there and moved it over here. Okay. And then I was like, oh, this is learnable. <laughs> well, if this is a learnable skill and nobody's teaching it because we think you either have it or you don't game on because I'm a teacher and I'm a Montessori teacher and I will figure out how to teach that to you. Uh, and that's what I set out to do. How, do. how could I keep organizing people's homes, but break it down into something eventually I could sell online as a course and you could teach yourself how to become organized? Yeah, I think um, I think for most people, everyone's working so hard and they have so little time for their personal life that when they get home, yes. the last thing want, they want to yes. do is invest more time into being in the middle of another nightmare or another non-exciting thing. And so it just piles up, piles up. And what I always say to people is those are the the weights that you, the, the, the silent weights that you're carrying through your day because that side room is a mess. And you're just, whether you know it or not, every day you get in your house, you're like, oh, that side room. Yes. And, and it, it, it weighs on you and your foundation is just so important. So we've employed some of the things that are in this book. We have um, biannual cleanings right? You do three new years, which I love. I do. And I want you to explain that. But we do those because then we know here's the time we attack. We put on our sweats. We put some good music on. We get our Windex bottle. We get, you know, we do our whole thing. 
and then it's easier. So explain to people your three new years. Like I want to go through all like your big kind of ticket items. And of course we'll get to the, the paper thing. Like I was having PTSD with paper when we got to that because <laughs> paper is maybe the greatest nightmare yeah. of our lives. Yeah. So, so, you know, what you were saying is I kind of describe it and people really resonate with this, that when you walk in your house at the end of the day, you want it to be relaxing, but yet you walk through your house and all your stuff is talking back to you. Like it's a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So you walk, why didn't you clean me? Why didn't you fold me? Why didn't you fix me? Why didn't you... And so you walk through your house and like, oh my gosh, it's like this unending to-do list. And I don't know why we think we should just walk in our house and it should magically be done. Like we don't live with Mary Poppins, but we feel like that should be the thing. So the Pew Research Institute did a study and they showed that it is um, 28 hours of work per week to maintain a household, not including kids. Oh yeah. God. Right. See, but then I tracked my time and mine was 36 hours because I had kids. And when you think shopping and cleaning and laundry and yard maintenance and maintenance of the house and cleaning and, you know, all to clean my house top to bottom takes eight hours. I don't know how a cleaning person could do it in three hours every other week, but if I'm doing it, it's always eight hours every single time. And we think that all that is like, well, I'm just going to pick up. It takes so much time. So much of our time is spent maintaining our house. And so it really is at least a part-time job. And when you recognize that, then you could start to treat it like a job. Okay, my house is getting two hours a day and this is what's going to get done. And then I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to leave. Just like you leave your home office or you leave your house. Um, So I just wanted to give weight to that, that it's not just a feeling you have. It's a real thing. Wow. And then I'll jump, jump into the That just three depressed me yeah. and made me feel <laughs> so much worse. And I know that wasn't the intention, oh. but I'm like, oh my God, we're already working 80 hours a week. Yes. Now we're throwing that in. And then I kept thinking right. in the back of my head, well, hmm, let's test our spouses. Let's clock their hours and see if this and is I did. equal. So, <laughs> and it does fall more female than male, but you know, males are doing about 10 hours to 14 hours of the females is what was in that Pew Research Institute. So together you're not doing the 28 hours, you know, the 26 hours it's split out, but Yes, it's overwhelming the first time. And often when people go through their three New Year's with me and I have them look at like, it's like a list of 48 different roles you might be playing in your household and they're checking off 42 out of the 48 and they're overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with all of the things they're doing. Then they go, no wonder this hasn't been working. It's not me. It's not me. I can't, I can't do all this and be a parent and be full-time and have a tennis league and have all these other things. It's unrealistic expectations, but as you get organized, you always gain time. So if you get a space not decluttered, but organized, it will give you time in the future. So the three New Year's are Labor Day. I mean, Labor Day, don't you clean out the garage and all those things that you do at Labor Day? It's New we Year's. We usually throw a barbecue and get drunk, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> well, the week after that, don't you, don't you want to clean something out? Change your clothing out. You do it at... Uh, January 1st. And then you also usually do it sometimes around Mother's Day or spring break or that Memorial Day weekend. And summer is the smallest of the years. And then you have fall and then you have the winter and you do different activities in your house. You eat different foods during that time. You wear different clothes, you do different activities. And so you really clean out the last season and start the next one. And you usually spend a weekend decluttering and you will declutter the spaces that have been driving you crazy or got kind of overrun during the year, during that mini year. But if that's all you do and you just wait till the next one and wait till the next one, you never get to the next level, which is truly getting organized and then ultimately is increasing productivity, which comes out of organization. 
So what is the biggest organizational issue you see that's that's like the most kind of prominent for people? I think it's not, I mean, they say 55 minutes a day is what people spend looking for things. So if you're going to take an hour every single day just to look for things, we might as well take the time to start systematically organizing the house so that there are less rooms that are disorganized to look for things in and reduce that looking for time and put it proactively into organizing time. Yeah, like we find ourselves looking for a bottle of Windex in our house all day, every day. And no matter how many we buy and no matter how many rooms we store a bottle of Windex in, and Lisa, I'm telling you, every room usually is supposed to have one, they disappear. I don't know if, you know, Santa is coming through the chimney at night and stealing it. But, um, but yeah, we, what we've done in our house is we arm, we have a two level house and we arm certain rooms with supplies where we know we need them more frequently. So we don't have to go down to like one supply room. So Kevin's office always has a Swiffer, always has a bottle of Windex, although Santa has been really bad to us lately. Um, and, and, you know, things like that. So So like the dog room has its own supplies so that we can make sure we can clean up really quickly and easily. Um, But um, but what are some of your other um, finding things as a big thing? What else? So when I first started my business in 2012, my kids were middle school age and I had been a stay at home mom other than teaching. And so I found for women, there are four areas that if they can get these organized, their life flows easier and their family does not unorganize them. And they are her closet, the laundry room, the kitchen, and whatever she considers her home office or where she pays bills or however she does her daily mail. Those four areas, if you can get those organized, you literally can wake up in the morning go into your closet, get dressed, come downstairs, make your coffee, throw in a load of laundry in three different organized areas. It doesn't matter if you have to walk through piles of stuff everywhere else in the house. Your first hour of the day is totally organized. And as you maintain those spaces, then you could start to move out into either storage areas if you want to tackle those or family spaces that would be related to spouses or kids or roommates, things Mm -hmm. like that. And how do you go about organizing those spaces? Do you like to do one room at a time? And how, um, what is kind of the, the organized proof way to do things? Yes. So one room at a time, but not all in one day. So I think, you know, we've seen so many of these stories about, all right, I'm going to do my closet. So I empty everything out of my closet. Please don't do that. Oh my goodness. Unless you have a whole weekend and no emergencies are going to happen. What happens is you start sleeping with your clothes because you never had enough time to put it all back. So then you just. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria. My mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Shove it in there and then you're you're angry with yourself that you were not successful. So you pick one room until it's organized. And I don't care if it takes you three months, but then you chunk it. So we always start in the kitchen and we start with the silverware drawer. And you're like, Lisa, I know how to organize a silverware drawer. I know. That's why we're going to start with it. We're going to clean it out, take all the crumbs out, reorganize it. Oh, I don't have babies anymore. Take those spoons out. And then I'm going to say why this works is because X, Y, Z. Now I'm going to have you do the utensil drawer right below it. Take it out, organize it and say, see how this is similar to this? Now you can literally organize any drawer in your entire house because all drawers are organized the same way, but you didn't know how drawers were organized because if it didn't come with an insert and tell you where the forks went, you didn't know why that drawer worked and the other ones didn't. So now you can do all the drawers in your kitchen. I teach you about cabinets and then I teach you about phases of life. So kitchens will function differently over your phases of life and how many people live in your house as well. So are you saying that we need dividers for the utensils? I don't think I quite followed that. So the way a silverware drawer works, if you organize it, is you take everything out of the silverware drawer and put it on your counter. And then you wipe it down and get all the breadcrumbs out. And you already have a divider in there. So knives go here, forks go here, spoons go here. You put them back. When everything is out on your kitchen counter and not in the drawer anymore, that's when you go, why do I have baby spoons in here? But if I just said, look in your silverware drawer and tell me if you need to get rid of anything, you'd be like, it's all good. Because there's a spot for baby spoons. But when it's on the kitchen counter, you go, why do I still have baby spoons? Got it. It's the taking everything out of the drawer. So then you do utensils. You take them all out and then you sort like with like. So all your spatulas together, all your flippers mm-hmm. together, all, you know, and then you say, why do we have 12 tongs? Like that's too many tongs. We only need yeah. two sets. And so you learn to group like with like, pair down, and then you may put organizers in there. Or you may not. Got it. Yeah. I recently did our kitchen during COVID. COVID became my like, <laughs> you know, let's attack things that I've never attacked before. And it was really, really exciting because there was so much junk and you don't realize you have so many platters. And then because you have so many mm-hmm. platters, you don't use any of them because now you got to dig underneath to get them. So you just use the one on top. So now I've gotten rid of everything and now I'm actually using platters and it's mm-hmm. so joyful. <laughs> yeah. And the kitchen is hard because there's a place for platters. So you just stack another one in there. Yeah. Whereas in the closet, like you're trying to pare down in the kitchen, you usually are trying to just put the tongs where tongs go, as opposed to saying, how many is the right amount for our family? It's three. Great. These are my favorite three. All these will go, or I only have one. I need to buy two. What is your number Yeah. versus what do you own and where does it go? Got it. Um, Having everything, having a place is Mm -hmm. such an important thing in organization. And so like, I know when I organized my office, it was like, I had all the little white boxes and I labeled them. So it's like, thank you notes. I know I always get a million thank you notes and I don't want to throw them away. So I put them in there. Um, What is your system um, for organizing your office? Like what are your best tips for office organization? So I'm a paper person. I print out emails. I Oh you know, my I God. Keep, Lisa, I, you're printing out emails? You're adding your, to your paper? Maria, here's your slash pocket. <laughs> so I have all my notes from Jeff and all the emails that you guys sent me. And yeah, I have everything in here because look at your face. Because I want to remember the conversations that we had. And I have like I can find it on the computer, but it also is just so much easier for me to grab this and I have them in order for my day. So 
I have a lot of actionable paper and I have a lot of ideas. I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah. So I write all my ideas down on index cards and I throw them into the Sunday basket or my workbox to save my ideas because they may become actionable later or podcast ideas, things like that. So I love to capture ideas. As far as stuff, um, I don't have a lot of other stuff in my office. I'm pretty ruthless with getting rid of stuff that I don't need that's not actionable in the business right now. Okay. Talk about the Sunday basket because <laughs> then we're going to go back to paper because okay. I want to understand your paper <laughs> theory about printing emails. And 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 I, I do have to say I like it because I have a hard time like with that too but I'm terrified mm-hmm. to print any more paper. And I've gone pretty paperless in this last year. I hired someone yeah. who scanned everything and I got rid of great. paper. And oh my God, that was such a great time. I threw out cabinets and cabinets yes. and ca- or shredded cabinets of stuff um, and went paperless. But, um, but that's also a really hard thing. You, it's really hard to find someone that can be efficient with scanning. And I happened to find somebody who was like, Oh, you know, a two story building worth of papers. Yeah. I can scan that in a day. And I was like, really? Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Yes. And so when you're scanning all that 85% is shreddable, doesn't even need to be scanned in the first place. Now with your medical conditions, every single medical piece of paper should be kept and scanned and organized. But there's a lot of things that we don't need to keep. We don't need to keep so much paper. Most people can get down to only 15% after they're done purging their paper that needs to be scanned or put in some kind of a binder. Got it. So, so talk to us about the Sunday basket. Okay. So you can make your own, which I'm very excited about. (laughs) So this is the Sunday basket. It's really just a box. It has a divider in there that holds these slash pockets upright. And then it has a big holding place. And it's really like uh, an inbox for your house. What's a slash pocket? Okay. This is a slash pocket. It's like a binder insert that goes inside of a binder that has holes on it. Uh, but I don't use them in binders. I just use them in here as like a file folder, only it's sealed on three sides. So little tiny index cards won't fall out. Got it. So you could put little pieces of paper or big pieces of paper in there. And they're color coded, which helps you with what kind of a project it is you're doing and to retrieve different categories of things in your Sunday basket. So during the week, you'll put your mail in here, any printed out emails that you have, receipts from uh, home repairs that you're having done, prescriptions that you pick up, basically anything that can wait until Sunday must wait until Sunday. And then on Sunday, you and you could pick a different day, but I do it on Sunday. You empty it out. You go through all your mail. You sort it into those slash pockets. You pay the bills that need to be paid. You plan out your week. You get all your errands ready to be done on one day. I just order everything through Amazon, but I used to do errand days. And then you plan out your week. And so you you make your house more like you do your office. Like you don't do the tasks every single day. Anything that can wait until Sunday, you just do on Sunday. Fill all, fill all my pill containers, go through all my mail, go through all my bills, go through everything my high school and college age kids need, fulfill all their requests and plan our budget for the week. Got it. Um, one of the other things that I loved, um, let me see, I marked so many pages in here. Oh, my goodness. Bulk scheduling. Oh yeah. I think this was genius. And I I can't forget to go back to paper because there's so many more paper questions I have, but I really loved bulk scheduling. So in my book, I talked about, um, in terms of errands, I forget what we called it. It was like, 
um, I called it the snake, right? So I always tried to keep my errands in like one plaza, even if like something was not like the best hair salon or it wasn't the best nail salon. I was like, I'm keeping it simple so I can just make all my appointments and go bing, 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 get my dry cleaning, get my coffee, you know, get my nails done and try to keep it simple because I used to be going cross town this way, that way, that way. And it was just so much. Um, but bulk scheduling, don't think I ever thought of that. And I think it's really really cool. So explain that to everyone. Yeah. So today you're going to get a text or an email that you need to get your teeth cleaned or whatever. And you're like, all right, I need to make a dentist appointment. Oh yeah. I need to get my hair cut. Okay. I need to do this. Well, if you can start to realize like my dentist doesn't do dental appointments on Friday and my hairdresser isn't open on Monday, but if I pick Wednesday as my errand day and I'm like, okay, every six weeks, I'm going to schedule a a Lisa day. And that's where all doctor's appointments, annual appointments, doctor's appointments, haircuts, you know, take the dog to the vet to be groomed, whatever. All that happens every six weeks on a Wednesday, 99% of your appointments can go on that day. And if not go six weeks out, go six weeks out from there. And eventually you can get them all booked on those kind of days. So that you're not doing all that wasted time waiting for things. This last week I took a staycation And I just scheduled all the service people. I think we had five service people here on Monday, five on Wednesday and five on Thursday, but I'm here anyway, like clean the carpets and fix the roof and the toilet all at the same time. Like just bring all the people. I sent the dog to daycare. Um, When you do one off things and we live our life reactively, like you get a text. All right, I will schedule this because I don't want to write it down. I'm going to forget. I might as well just schedule it right now. Okay. You need this paper signed for school. All right. I'll just take a minute and sign it right now but you lose the momentum of whatever you were doing during that time. And you don't take pause to think what else could be done together. If I'm signing this school paper, do I also have to put it on the calendar? Does that mean we also have to pack a lunch? So I have to make sure we have as much as can go in the Sunday basket as Mm -hmm. possible goes in the Sunday basket because then it becomes less emotional. It becomes more of a task. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And when you're looking at all of your tasks, you go, well, we can't even sign that permission slip because we're going to be in Florida. Like, so I didn't even need to sign that to begin with. Or if you're going to do this, we need to get a vaccination first. So I need to make an appointment and you're able to look at things more objectively and make your time and money work for you and compound how your time and money works and make better decisions. Yeah. I think I've attempted bulk scheduling in the past with an assistant where I was like, listen, we know I need to get my hair color every, you know, however many months we know I need a haircut, like just pre-plan these things. I don't want to have to tell you when it's last minute. Um, now that was when I was working 18 jobs and had an assistant. I don't have one now. 
Um, so now I want to employ bulk. Ske- well, also now post COVID, oh my god, I don't need anything anymore. <laughs> I still have three half gel nails um, from February. Um, and I'm realizing I'm probably never going to get manicures and pedicures again, because if I've lasted this long without them, why do I need them? That's just more scheduling I don't need to do anymore and more headaches totally. dealing with people who, you know, um, are mean or cut me or whatever. Um, yeah. Steven's saying, make Kevin learn how to manicure. Do you know Kevin said to me during the COVID, he goes, Honey, he's like, I'll learn how to do your nails. He's like, I'll do them for you. I swear to God. I was like, no, honey, you do everything. I really can't do this. I tried the press on ones and they weren't bad. If yeah. you put, you know, enough of the super glue on there, they, you know, they lasted. Listen. And they didn't, they looked kind of milky. And one of my friends said, we're social distancing. If anybody can see that your nails look milky, they're too close yeah. to you. Yeah. I was like, oh, good point. I press got, on nails it is. Before COVID, I remember having a conversation with the Pilates instructor I was working with. And I was like, man, it is hard to be a girl, right? Uh, a girl in a modern like world. And I know yeah. that my world is a little different than most worlds because I'm on camera. And so I have heightened girl needs. But then the rest of the world is looking at us on camera and trying to meet those needs as well. So it's not just me, but you know, hair color, haircuts, hair extensions sometimes, right? Because you're doing different looks for different things. Nails. Now, are you doing regular manicures? Are you doing gels? Um, A lot of eyelash extensions going on nowadays, right? Um, Dermatologists. And um, then, of course, uh, doctor's appointments and holistic things like acupunctures and, um, you know, uh, whatever it is. Massage. 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 I mean, literally, it's like your life is about scheduling. So now I'm glad I yeah. never did eyelash extensions. I'm glad that COVID happened and I'm not doing nails anymore. I'm not wearing extensions. Like I'm just, I'm tired of all of it because it's so time consuming. But I do yeah. think that bulk scheduling could help. And it does go back to kind of my snake theory of like, you know, I was trying to keep all of my errands in one area so it could be simple. You park yeah. once and then you just run around and do your thing. But I think that we know we need annual physicals. You know, as women, we know our female appointments. Like, just sit down one day, schedule them all out, and just have them in your calendar. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. it. I think that's yeah. a really great approach. Yeah. I think a lot of us uh, with COVID and lockdown are really reevaluating a lot of things right now. And I do, I mean, the progression, one of the very first memes was we're six weeks away from knowing what everyone's true hair color is. Like I just was cracking up about yeah. that one. But I think that, uh, I do think that the pressure for women to look made up is uh, definitely being reduced. And a lot of women are, are, feeling more comfortable with it, especially as a lot of TV has gone to from your home, like videoing you from home, not mm-hmm. in studio. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice refreshing change. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to go to paper. Okay. Uh, paper is a nightmare. <laughs> and, um, this is me being positive about paper. Um, I will say that one thing that caught my attention is when you said that Um, we talked about our looming paper tsunami and why each of us will have to grapple with our own papers Mm -hmm. or those of our loved ones one day soon. So Mm -hmm. my husband and I um, have, you know, 
been taking care of my parents for almost 20 years now, financially everything. We retired my mom, my dad, um, because of his illness, and now she's ill and whatever. And so when we were in Connecticut this last summer visiting them, and we always go in and de-hoard, and, um, and it's an issue because they love being hoarders, and we don't want them hoarding because we know it's going to be our nightmare. And yep. so I know that this last August we were there, Kevin went through every paper in the house. And now we have one file cabinet drawer and there's barely anything in there. And it's just the essentials and we're done. So we will never have to deal with that because we're so on top of it. But it requires attention. And Mm -hmm. again, when you're saying you're doing almost 30 hours a week of, you know, household maintenance, do you now want to go do that at your parents' house too? Right. It's not easy. So... So let's talk paper and let's talk the realities of how to include maybe your parents into your system of organization so that it doesn't become something that's so overwhelming at your worst moments. Yeah. And that, that is the thing, right? Like it's always at your worst moments. It's always when someone gets a diagnosis or you're selling a house or someone has fallen ill or someone has passed away. That is when you need paper. And that is when paper is powerful. Like it can help heal people. It can get provide better treatments. You can settle estates faster. You can save money. You can find money. So paper is very, very important. So what I always say is focus on yourself first. So get all of your paper organized first. Do your Sunday basket. Declutter your files. Ditch the filing cabinet. Go to binders. Figure out your own paper, everything that you have of your own paper. Once you've done your own paper, then now that we're going to have the book coming out in August that you can buy for your parents or have their neighbor give them or their best friend or something, they'll have a resource that they can read to start to do their own paper, but see what their um, temperature is on it. You know, organization is so personal. Mm -hmm. People feel so judged if you suggest a professional organizer or if you suggest an organizational solution that is not explicitly asked for. They're like, why are you you offering me an organizer? Are you saying that I'm not organized? And paper is super personal. Like there's financial information in there, personal medical information, personal cards. And um, being a professional organizer is really, uh, you have to really trust that professional organizer that you have come in your house. And often I find that parents don't like it when their children go through their paper because they see all these things. So one of the things you could do is offer to have a local professional organizer work with them. How much do organizers cost generally? Yeah. So it can be anywhere from $50 to $150. Connecticut, you're probably looking more $75 to $150. In Ohio, you're looking more like $50 per to hour? $85 per hour. Oh my God. Yeah, baby. It's good industry to be in. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy yeah. moly. So it's usually double, double what house cleaning would be, like house cleaners that pay taxes. Thank God we do our own organizing. Damn. Um, but yeah. because of the book, you can do it yourself too. Yeah. And um, and maybe save a budget for the thing that you don't want to tackle, right? Yeah. Like the one mm-hmm. room you're just like, I just don't want to do. But let's talk about papers and what is important to keep and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anything that's hard to replace, birth certificates, social security cards, um, things that it would be very difficult to replace. Almost no paper is non-replaceable, but things are difficult to replace. 
Also, I suggest not getting rid of any medical documentation that you have uh, because medical records are only kept for seven years in the United States. No way. Legally required to be kept. Yeah. We didn't and know that. They might be kept longer, but that's the only legal requirement. Oh, I've always, I throw everything away. I mean, I have some things, but I throw a lot of stuff away now um, because I'm like, oh, if I need a record, I'm just going to call the hospital and nope. get it. Sorry. No way. Yeah, and well, how does that work? Because I know with like insurance and stuff, yeah, they when they want to find something, they will. Uh, the insurance company only has three years to go back. You have only eighteen months to file, and then they have three years. It only goes back three years. Insurance. Wow, I didn't know that. Company. Wow. So all of a sudden, my brain tumor could be completely deleted from life. Mm-hmm. No way. Now, not all medical, like your doctor might not, <laughs> and they might have good records, but yeah, like, yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a cool so way I to think- not have a brain tumor anymore. <laughs> right? right? I love that perspective. Seriously. That is the right perspective, right? Maria. I it's love gone. that. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> my stupid jokes. So- I counsel a lot of people who have children with special needs, as mine do, and often their diagnoses change as they age, because what mm-hmm. you'll call a hyperactive two-year-old is different than what you would call a seven-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 21-year-old, and you know, learning disabilities can be diagnosed in their mood disorders. You can go from an autism diagnosis to a bipolar diagnosis, like things change. And so I will say to parents, keep everything, keep every record. Now, often pediatricians have, you know, they bring in the office the actual uh, file. Yeah. In that case, they have your entire file. But as those get digitized and they go more to typing on the computer, when you move from the pediatrician to your regular physician and then you move to another state, how do you get back to that record? It's it's not a permanent worldwide web record. It's wow. part of that um, part of that practice. Wow, wow, wow. Um, do you have any um, digital paper organization apps that you love? No, I know it's terrible. <laughs> Jeff asked me that too. I am your paper organizer. There are so many experts on digital and scanning and Evernote, and they all confuse me. I'm an analog, mathematical, paper, pencil person. Like I print out the email because I like to read it. And they've statistically shown if you write something with your hand, you're seven times more yeah. likely to remember it. And you read things differently on a computer screen than you do on paper. Like your yeah. brain processes the same words differently. And I just do better with, uh, with that printed out things. So I can get you to the organized stage where you have 85% less paper. It's organized into four binders plus a Sunday basket. And then if you want to digitize it, I bless and release you to all the experts out there that digitize. Yeah. Paper. I have an app that I love called um, GoodNotes on my iPad. Ooh. And so in my iPad, I have file cabinets or folders. So my folder is, you know, one is better together. And anytime I have a meeting for better together, anytime I have an idea, it goes in the folder. Now, the only thing with that is you're going backwards and you're, you know, scrolling through things, but luckily you can scroll through very quickly. Um, And so I have um, folders for everything like the house um, medical, you know, journals and whatever. So now what I've been doing is I scan the photo of the document and I put it in its appropriate folder because I just have now two of those like, you know, cardboard file organizers in my office and that's it. And then I have Kevin has a main file cabinet for like all of our old stuff, like old movie scripts of things I was in and like memorabilia more, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
But, you know, with paper, what's scary is like, if you have a fire, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Right? You lose everything. And in California, Mm -hmm. we tend to have a lot of fires. So I have everything um, digitally stored in different places for that reason. I have Dropbox and, but Mm -hmm. I will say I'm still a hot mess. Like, let's be clear. Um, I really (laughs) try hard, Lisa, but you know, it's, 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 I know it's there somewhere now, but, um, and I'm pretty organized, but the level of detail that needs to go in to be like perfectly organized. And I know actually you go into, um, Marie Kondo in here and her ideals of, um, perfection. So tell me what, you know, what you have, um, what you disagree with when it comes to Marie Kondo, because you, you have a whole chapter that says how not to organize paper, what Marie Kondo got wrong. Yeah. Well, first of all, in Japan, do you know they don't have birth certificates? No way. They're digital. So Japan is a completely digital country. They don't do paper there. Oh, there's so much we better do than paper. us. I'm moving to like, Japan. Okay. I hate so papers. So if you haven't gotten your compliant driver's license yet, so you can get on an airplane in the future... You have to find your original social security card. I have never in my life needed my original social security card that I got 48 years ago, but you have to take that to the BMB along with your birth certificate, along with proof of residence in order to get your driver's license compliant. They don't do that in Japan. So it's just the frame of reference. Americans have to have a certain amount of paper because we are a paper-based society. Yeah. And so under and that's the main thing, just understanding where you're getting your organizational information from like tax records we have to keep seven years worth of tax records plus the substantiation that goes with that that's a legal requirement in the united states um so things like that that we need to keep that she doesn't need to keep got it she being marie kondo yes yes got it got it got it got it yes and then uh as far as digitally organizing things and you were talking about that earlier There is no perfect. There is no done. You're never going to be done organized. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be done with your perfect organizing system. And why I like to make analog binders, even if you do end up digitizing them, and I have digitized a lot of our information, is that the paper is not necessarily for um, putting in some perfect state in the future. It's for action. Like, Any paper that you've kept is for action. You need to get the birth certificate out so you can get a passport. You need to pull out the Terminex warranty so that they come fix whatever they did. You need to pull out this paper so you can do this. Like it is actionable or it is reference-based paper. And if it's in a binder, it's easier for everyone in the family and other extended family members Mm -hmm. to find that on your behalf. So you have all those files, those select files that are left for your parents in Connecticut if you needed to fly up there because they got sick or anything happened, you would pull out that paperwork and you would act as power of healthcare or power of attorney on their behalf. If it's digitized and you don't have a copy of that, how easily can you do that? Yeah. I mean, that's why I have everything in Dropbox because yes. I don't want to deal with trying to find files. I've played that game and that's not fun. So now I yeah. can just look up power of attorney in Dropbox. It comes up. I can email it to the doctor and then I can have conversations on my parents' behalf. Um, exactly. But um, Stephen has a question. He's asking, what's a quick tip that you can recommend for young adults just starting their life outside of their parents' house? 
Yeah. So we created a kids program this year, teaching kids how to organize their bedroom, which I call their mini apartment. And then we created a step two to that. That's called launch. It has everything that a 16 year old to 25 year old would need as they leave their childhood bedroom and move into a dorm or an apartment or condo. And then eventually their first house. And it's like, um, a mini version of everything that's in the adult finders, like all that rental information, three sheets where you write everything down so that you know the questions to ask and write down the password and the login and the phone number of your internet provider and reminding you of all those things, teaches kids how to, uh, and young adults, how to do their first budget, not based on Dave Ramsey, like an idealized budget, but more like a, um, like how a teacher would teach it. You put the money in the top of the funnel and as far as it goes down, that's how many things you can fund. So we're so used to as 16 year olds earning babysitting money and then going and spending it all on makeup, right? Mm -hmm. But then you get your first apartment and your rent is $650 and you make $1,200 and you're like, oh, and then you buy food (laughs) and then you're done and you don't have internet. Why do I not have internet? Because you have a house. Like, and you're like, oh, the choices are not just random choices. The choices are in a, in a cascading flow of importance for actually survival. We have a food plan, things like that, that take you from having everything done for you in your family home of origin or the choices made by the people who are buying the food to how do you go from all that non-choice to all the choice in a logical fashion? Yeah. How do you handle one of the other triggers I had in there was something where you said about keeping Christmas cards. And I was like, what? I mean, I got to a place at some point where I, you open it and you're like, okay, boom. Yep. And you throw them away because what are you going to do? Gone are the days right. where you hang up your Christmas cards on your wall. I mean, we don't even have time to open them. I don't know why anybody sends them anymore. I love you. I love the photos. Can you send it digitally? Like everything has to be digital for me now, <laughs> unless it's a thank you note. I love getting handwritten thank you notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's 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 so hard nowadays. Um I I just, and it hurts me to have to throw it away, but I don't know where to put them. And then I have enough things to store. My attic is filled of like, you know, things that I have to store. Yeah. But you save Christmas cards too? No, I do not save Christmas cards. Okay. So maybe I read that wrong. No, but some people do. And part of that is generational. So baby boomers, silent generation, love to get Christmas cards. They're wondering why you're not sending them. They like to get the mail. They like to open them. They like to display them. They like to recycle them, whatever they want to do. Uh, Millennials, Gen Z, they're like, yeah, why is this not digital? And then Gen X, which is what I am, is the middle. We'll do whatever you want. I'm I'm Gen X, but millennial border. Okay. So I'm 78, but I will say I was someone who was psycho Christmas card giver. And I had, you know, hundreds of people on the list. I had to start working on it in August. And I mean, I did all of this. But then I Mm -hmm. realized I'm putting so much time into something that someone's just throwing away. And I was like, and, and I had to free myself of the pressure as a woman who is trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I just, that was it. And I I freed myself of Christmas gifts too. I love you all. Please don't go buy me any gifts because I don't want to spend my holiday doing that either because it's stressful. Yeah, and it is. um, So this is a generational thing and it is the pendulum (laughs) will swing back and forth and back and forth and all around from the height of materialism to the height of minimalism. So we're at the height of minimalism right now in 2020. The height of materialism was 1980. I think we can all agree about that the yuppie, the BMW, the, you know, the, 
beanie babies standing in line for cabbage patch dolls height of materialism don't mess with my and cabbage yet, patch dolls though i know the beanie so babies like, can why? go but not my cabbage why patch would doll. you ever do that and now we're at the height of minimalism and less is more and experiential living and i have read these books and i know that we're going to go back to materialism i was like what would ever want us to go back to materialism and then covid happened and everybody who's ever said i kept all these things just in case just in case just happened people they it just happened they were just vindicated and now you notice people will start not keeping tons of things but they'll start to collect a little bit more again you're right and there will be another height of materialism that will come about 2060 is when the next height of materialism will come they'll go because everything's cyclical everything yeah. is cyclical up down up down so we were at the height of minimalism before covid and now people are like oh i couldn't just run to the store and get it i was restricted on amazon if i could get books even yeah. like they weren't shipping out books and they stopped ordering books from publishers like what do you mean we can't get books you go to the grocery store like i just talked to my cousin who lives in cincinnati and she said oh yeah we got vouchers two uh they were only allowed two dairy products two dairy products i was like what uh, because everything was rationed when you were in the city. And so now that we've started to live through something like that, and we're not through this experience yet, we're going to start putting a few extra things in our house that we wouldn't have done in February. Wow. You're mm -hmm. so right. I didn't think about that. Um, there are so many things in this book uh, that I, I definitely learned and benefited from. And um, we probably could do like 50 more shows on this because organization is a never ending yeah project um but lisa thank you so much um thank you i i am very excited to start my sunday basket and lisa and... before i let you go can i ask a quick question as well it's as you talk lisa about generations maria has a ton of listeners gen xers millennials even boomers who listen to our show and boomers, I did not need to sound condescending just then. I'm going to call you our baby boomers who listen to the show. But um, you talk about how organization can reach each of those generations. So just as we mm -hmm. make our way out, for our listeners who may not feel like they need organizational tips as much, what would you say to them? Yeah, so again, this height of maximalism, height of minimalism. So millennials as a whole are much more of an experiential generation, less attached to material possessions. Baby boomers as a whole are more attached to material possessions like experiences. But when they look around their house and they see items in their house, they remember how much it cost, how hard they had to work to earn that money and how long it took for them to physically go buy it, get it, have it delivered, whatever. And so when you have a baby boomer parent giving something to a millennial child, and it's like, don't give me your hand-me-downs. I'm not really interested. You're saying to them, I don't care how long it took you to earn that, buy that, get that, and that that is part of my inheritance that you created for me. I'd rather have the money so I can go over here. And as a baby boomer, when a millennial says, I would like to take you out to breakfast and spend the day with you, instead of sending you flowers for Mother's Day, they're saying, I want to give you me. I want to give you my time. I want to give you the essence of who I am. I want to deepen our relationship. And the baby boomer may say, well, I, w I wanted flowers. Like, you know, and it's just a disconnect of our expectations versus how we express ourselves and how we value what's most important to us. And is it time or is it the money and the effort that's taken to acquire the, the thing? And this is not a all or nothing thing. It's just a generalization. But again, it's how these generations 
repeat themselves over and over again. Um, and so once you know that, then you could say, oh, I see, you're giving me grandma's china because grandma passed it down to you and you tell me the story about how she bought it piece by piece over the course of 40 years. I'm never gonna use china, but now I know what it is. And so I'm gonna give one uh, goblet, you know, wine goblet to everyone in our family with a tea votive in it. And we're gonna put it in the middle of our bathroom and have little sparkles at Christmas time. It's gonna light up the bathroom. Or I'm gonna take these and put tea votives in, on my Christmas table and have it be a centerpiece because I'm never gonna use that for wine. But I appreciate that this is something that's been handed down over generations. It was hard earned and is part of our legacy. Very nice. I have to start thinking about if I have anything like that. <laughs> I have so many things that's been passed on. Like my dad, um, we're very sentimental. So like in my mm -hmm. living room, I'm thinking right now, I have my dad's shoes that were made out of tires, his only shoes he had. Um, and wow. things like that. So we definitely try to hold on to those things and, and remember yeah. our history and, and where we came from. Lisa Woodruff, of course, her book is called The Paper Solution. And uh, it comes out August 4th, but it is available for pre-order now. All of Lisa's products and classes can be found at Organize365.com. Um, Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you, Maria. Have a great one. Thanks. Um, so guys... I somehow am more depressed now. Is that, uh -oh. does that make no. any sense? What Why? happened? I just, I'm like, an extra 30 hours a week we do trying to keep a household. Holy moly. Then the discussion about the the boomers and the millennials and the disconnects. And I'm just thinking about the greater disconnects in life with all of us. Like, we don't know what's funny, what, like, we, everything is, there's just a massive disconnect period like if now we're upsetting another generation because they want their like love language is different than ours and we want to sit with them and have fun and talk to them and have a deeper connection but they want flowers and we just i just feel like everyone's disappointed and i'm just so fucking depressed right now don't i wouldn't be depressed i think <laughs> it's, it's awful the world is constantly changing maria and every generation is so different from the previous one steven i'm about to make decisions to bring children into this world and every time i hear someone talk every Every time I have a situation, everything in the news, I am like, why? <laughs> why would I do that when I think I want to leave? Because you can prove that you're going to be a better parent than everyone else's. That's not true. You know, everyone's everyone. Everyone's like, I'm going to be a better parent. than No, I actually am terrified. I'm going to suck. And because of that, you're going to be a better parent. I don't know. The people that don't care are the people who, who don't do well. I don't know. I will say it has been a very, very stressful week or so. And I just saw Maximus's eyes this morning. And guys, that dog is so stressed. His eyeballs, his demeanor, he is a different dog. I don't even know him. He is so stressed. And he was um, in the backyard. I go, Kevin, let him in. And he came right to me and he started putting his body up against me. And I just kept saying to him, I'm like, mommy's okay, Max. We're okay. Everything's going to be okay. We're good. And I could just feel him saying like, are you okay, mom? Is dad?" And then he went over to Kevin, dad, are you okay? Like I, his eyes were like, like almost like pinned and just psycho scared. And I'm like, if I see that in my dog's eyes, like I just can't imagine what my children would feel like. I mean, you got to imagine that like animals, 
they can't communicate with words. So they're so hyper aware of observation and kind of body yeah. language and how people are. So they're like the, the pure empathists. So they I mean, always know, but like, I just, my heart broke and I was like having to console him. And I'm like, this is what mom and dads have to do to their kids. And I'm like, why am I going to do this? But I really want them. But I'm like, oh, anyway, that is it for us today. <laughs> I'm going to go do something like smell some flowers and make myself happy. Um, But I do, I love organizing and I feel like Jeff, we really, I want to do some more um, organization stuff. And I feel like um, I want to go back to some of my organized tips and, and create the tips for everybody because I know that we've had some good ones too and we can share them and, and let's, you know, even do a Patreon on it. I think it'd be really great. So um, more to come because organization is very important to our happiness and our inner peace and our outer peace. Um, Thank you guys, of course, for joining us as always. Tomorrow we are going to have acclaimed psychologist, New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Susan David, to discuss emotional agility. It's a science-based approach that allows us to navigate life's twists and turns with self-acceptance clear-sightedness and an open mind very excited for that discussion uh in the meantime you can follow us at maria menunos at organize 365 at steven let photo at jeff crane graham and remember be nice people make good choices get your poopsie kisses and be poopsie present kisses. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.